YT. YT stands for YouTube. Uh, we're going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube. Carl, what is the movie this week? Okay, this week we are watching The Funny Farm, 1983. That's what you put in the search engine, The Funny Farm. Don't put in Funny Farm, no. The Funny Farm. Put in 1983. We like the channel Crud Buddies. Right, because we are Crud Buddies ourselves. Yeah, who wouldn't yeah. like Crud Buddies? Who loves you Crud name Buddies? the channel that, we're subscribing. Uh, you, you ever see uh, um, Black Sheep with Chris Farley and David Spade? Uh, yes, unfortunately, I saw that piece of crud. All right, so remember the scene where uh, this this Opie sprays a fire extinguisher on David Spade? And yeah. He, uh, and uh, Chris Farley says, hey, why don't you jump in the pool and, and wash off all that white mud? And mm -hmm. David, <laughs> David Spade says, oh, I discovered white mud. I'm a millionaire. And Farley <laughs> goes, no, no, I said white crud. White crud. <laughs> All right, I thought I would start off our show with that. I love that all scene. Right. So, all right, crud buddies. Uh, so, crud buddies. So, you know, uh, we have a, some instructions for you to do, but we also have a really exciting feature that gives you some time. So well, wait, gonna... tell, them, tell them the instructions. Yeah, right? you oh, absolutely. Find... Yeah, absolutely. So we want you to go onto YouTube, search for The Funny Farm 1983. The. The. As Carl said, we need to get the the in there. You'll find the movie as hosted by Crud Buddies. Click the link, hit pause, move the timer to zero, zero, zero. Uh, and when we say go, hit the play button. We'll all hit the play button. Now, right. we are not going to say go. We have a celebrity comedian to do our celebrity comedian countdown. Carl, yes. take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Donna Loy. Welcome, Donna. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You started at Scotty's. You took the comedy class there with Chip Ambrosio. You have blossomed to go on to so much more and become a real comedian. But why don't you just tell us about your launch a little bit? Okay. Well, I started at uh, Scotty's Comedy Cove School with Chip Ambrosio in June of or uh, April of 2017. 2017. And you go for six. 2017, yeah. They go uh, for, I think, six weeks, and at the end of six weeks, you do your, your show for your friends and family that come to see you. And it was a great launching pad. Um, I got a lot of work right away out of the gate from Scotty's mm -hmm. and got to network with uh, some higher-level comics. How much in your original routine for that showcase remains today? Um... I'd say a good portion of it, uh -huh. and I just keep, I'd say a good portion of it, um, a lot of it's changed, obviously, and a lot of it I've, you know, swapped out for other things, but I just keep that particular act, and then I'll just layer in and layer in, and then kind of be able to pick and choose when I go to a venue if I want to do this segment or that segment, or use those or just pull them out of the hat as I need them. Mm -hmm. I'd say maybe, I'd say maybe 60%. Wow. Okay. That's uh, still a pretty healthy chunk, right? I think you got a yeah, good I launch like my, there. Uh, <laughs> I like now, some of my own jokes. <laughs> everybody does, right? I laugh at my own jokes. Yeah. So um, you are, I, you're down South Jersey. Is that fair to say? Do you think of it as South Jersey? Central Jersey. Central, Central Jersey. you call it Central. But even though you're Jersey, far away. Central Jersey. 
Jersey Shore. That is where. So even though you're far from us up here in the north, you still come up here. You know, I mean, you go further than Scotty's, right? If you've got a gig. Oh, yeah. Sure. I've been in Brooklyn and PA, New York, Atlantic City, wherever, wherever the goods are, that's where you got to go. Yeah, I was going to mention Brooklyn. You did the rooftop shows there during the pandemic, right? They were outside at La Brea Gardens, and then we moved indoors with the Brooklyn House of Comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did a lot of outdoor shows during the pandemic. I was lucky like that. Restaurants, outdoor venues. Now, I was going to ask how the pandemic affected your comedy. You just went over, like, being outside, which was different, which was okay in the summer, right? How else have you been affected, you know, as a comedian, getting out there and doing your thing with this, with this COVID, with this coronavirus crap? Yeah, coronavirus is terrible. Um, well, I, I, you know, I think like anybody else, I just have the ebbs and flows of the moods that any comedian probably suffers from. Um, I try to uh, keep a balance and keep things in perspective, you know. Comedy is something that brings joy to people. It brings joy to me. Um, obviously, like I had six shows booked this month, and I've already lost four of them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're experiencing, and everyone is experiencing that on different yeah. levels. Um, but you just have to keep it in perspective. You know, when it get when it's good, it'll be going again, and when it isn't, you just have to do other things like Zoom, get creative. I've done a few Zoom shows. I was just going to go there every week. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to go there and ask you about what do you think of Zoom? I mean, it's better than nothing, but it's not the same, right? It's not the same. It's almost like performing in front of a mirror when you're practicing. (laughs) If anyone does that, I do. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and so it's a little strange because you're not getting the reactions that you would and that rapport with the audience. But, yeah. it, you know, if you're getting paid to do 10 minutes and sit in your living room or bedroom, it's not so bad. Yeah. And it is yeah. a cool way to communicate. I'm, I do a weekly podcast every week with a bunch of comics that are all over Chicago and uh, New York and PA. And it's kind of cool that we meet once a week and get our yayas out. What's it called? What's that podcast called? It's called Logic and Laugh. Uh-huh. Headed by Tori. Corey Stewart, I think I, I connected you with him on some level. He's looking to come down and we'll do some stuff at Scotty's. But they're all comics and they're young, and I'm probably the oldest one there. Uh-huh. <laughs> so there's some generational and cultural things that I don't get or that they don't get, which is kind of cool. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. It keeps, keeps me going anyway. What do you bring to the podcast, the logic or the laughter? Hopefully a little of both. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully a little of both, yeah. Well, that sounds logical. So, (laughs) (laughs) how do people find you out there on the internet, on social media? I think you've got a YouTube channel. YouTube channel, Donald Lloyd Comedy, on the social media. I'm not on Instagram. Um, I am on TikTok. I think it's called Aunt Donna Knows, although I don't manage those things. Uh I'm not too tech savvy, so I have people that do those things for me. What about Facebook, though? Yes, I have that. Donna Just Lloyd Donna Lloyd. Comedy. You'll see it. Donna Lloyd Comedy. You'll see a picture of George Burns and Jack Benny, my favorite comedians of all That's time. right. Yes, you do see that. Yeah. Favorite comedians of all time. That's really, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty good company there. So, okay, Donna, 
Everybody at home is poised to watch this movie at the exact same second as we do here in the studio. We're all going to press play together. So why don't you go ahead, Donna Lloyd, and give us that celebrity comedian countdown. Okay, thank you. We're going to go with three, two, one, press. Oh, I'm really excited about this movie. You know, I heard about this movie because Peter uh, Aykroyd is in this. Dan Aykroyd's brother, who was right. a part of, uh, I guess, the fourth season of SNL. And then yeah. he wrote uh, theme songs, songs for, his, for Aykroyd's movies. Right. And he was in some of Aykroyd's movies. Uh, you, might, but you make money off the songs, right? If you write the song to Loose Cannons, every time that plays, they get a little royalty check. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It can be very tiny. But if you're talking about millions, it adds up, you know. He was in The Coneheads. He was in Dr. Detroit. Um, yeah, so that's, the, really it. that's really, you know, they, they were they weren't um uh they were they were good bro buddy brothers, friends, right. and they co-wrote uh screenplays together. Um Nothing but trouble in the early '90s. Peter wrote oh. the story. Dan wrote the screenplay. Um, Co-created the Canadian sci-fi show Sci Factor, which and, makes sense because Dan Aykroyd is also into like UFOs and yeah. psycho bullshit. So they must have had a charming childhood where they they uh, did uh, 88 episodes of that. And yeah, probably in their childhood, like Dan's going, "Look at it! Look what! Look up at the sky! Look at that!" He goes, "Holy crap!" It's yeah. There must have been a bunch of There them. must have been. You know what? Peter was probably uh, saying, hey, you know what would be great? And Dan Aykroyd pulls out a pen. No, Peter, tell me. <laughs> you know? But also, we should mention Peter Aykroyd passed away in November last year. He yeah. got a um, like a, a memorial a on SNL. Really? He had an untreated hernia. Untreated. And he died just before his uh, 66th birthday, like a couple weeks. Uh, step caused wow. by an untreated abnormal hernia so i think he probably shouldn't have died he uh he probably you know is sort of like a mistake it's a real shame uh i i kind of i knew of him through the through different things but i have always heard about this movie the funny farm i had no idea what it was about i just yeah. knew that peter Aykroyd was in it uh, I saw it listed on FilmRise streaming, and I said, shit, if FilmRise has it, YouTube has it, and God bless, it does. And the movie's about stand-up comedy. Yes, that's right. Now, what we're watching right now is um, a guy named Mark Champlin, and Mark is heading from his home in Cleveland, Ohio, all the way out to L.A. to become a big comedian. And he's, he's not going to New York City? Right. He's going Mark to L.A. So Mark Chaplin is not driving in the early 80s to New York. No. Okay. You think that would be the destination for – okay, this is our director. Oh, pumping gas in the HBO vanity plate. You wish this movie was on HBO. This is Ron Clark, and he is our director, and he's making his cameo. Nice. And he's yeah. like, where are you going? L.A. to be a star like Robin Williams. And he goes, Who? How many times will Robin Williams' names uh, will be name checked in this? Two times. Early, few times. Okay. Two times. Yes. Two times. Yeah. Ooh, a little cassette. Is this like a uh, willpower? It's like I, he's going to listen to Steve Martin. He's going to listen to George Carlin. He's just yeah. he's he's listening 
Uh, you know, this was the time before you could catch any comedian ever. Right. So he has the album. And hopefully they paid the comedians to be in this movie. You know, I like uh, Steve Martin. Oh, so this is another Steve Martin movie I never saw. Oh, you mean you mean the comedians were hearing the voice? Yeah, on the uh, cassettes while he drives cross country. Interesting question. Did they? Did they have to. They have to get royalties. I'm sure it's probably. In the now here he has arrived in Los Angeles, but in truth, he's in Montreal, Canada. Thank you, Carl, for telling me that up front so I don't have to, because we're both Los Angeles natives, and we uh, it infuriates <laughs> us to no end when we can't recognize, oh, the comedy tree. So he, he wanted to go to the comedy tree, and it's literally closed. It was burnt down. It ha a fire has occurred, and there is noticia no, nos entrada, because it's burnt. So do you think the comic on stage was like, the roof? The roof. The the roof, the is, roof is on fire. And we're like, hack. Shut up, hack. <laughs> no, but I'm being serious. The roof. The roof. The roof is on fire. We heard it. So we don't give a damn. Ooh, juggling. Yeah, so he finds that the, the club, the tr comedy tree, it's it's gone. And so he's sort of wandering around. And he's bumping into Greg. His name is Tony Malsworth in real life. And Greg will let him know about a comedy club called The Funny Farm. That's now, where it's all happening now. We, now, even though we are Los Angeles natives and comedians, we're not going to pretend we know the history of Los Angeles comedy, which I'm sure this movie is mirroring. And mirroring in, in close to near time, because this is 83. This isn't mm -hmm. like dying to get... Oh, what was that? That Showtime, Jim Far uh, Carey TV show? I'm dying up here, which was a, a two-season show about the comedy store. Oh, okay. Oh, so, gosh, I, I, I missed that one. I, I did see Crashing on HBO. Uh, but that's a New York comedy scene, right? It's And, this, and it's not reprising the late 70s, early no, 80s. No, you're right. You're right. It's a better analogy, the Jim Carrey one. And the thing is, like, okay, it's a movie, so I forgive it. But it's like... He's bumping into exactly the right person who's friendly and helpful. Yeah. Well, but, okay. I believe a comedian coming into Los Angeles on the first night would drive straight to the comedy tree and then harass them, a street performer to find out where another no, set is. Harass is not the right word. It's all very nice and friendly. Oh, hey, there's the wall. Where's my picture, Carl? Yeah, you're not. It's, it's prior to your arrival. Now, this was a comedian. Uh, her name is Majorie Gross? Ma Ma oh, Majorie Gross. Marjorie Gross. Okay. And she really went on to be a writer. She wrote for all, including Seinfeld. She wrote for a lot of things. Wait a minute. But I know who you talk. She passed away. They, they credited yeah, her. As, yeah. She like really got ripped off. She died of ovarian cancer at the age of 40. Oh. Yeah. She's really died young. And um, let's see here. She wrote, one of our favorite shows was Get a Life. She wrote five episodes. Oh, how fun. I love that show. Yeah. Uh, she's all over the place here. The Larry Sanders Show and New Hard and Alf. And she was a writer. She started as a comedian. Now we're meeting Gail. And I guess you're going to want to say she's like the comedy store lady. Mitzi Shore. And that's probably her husband. No, or well, somebody. 
okay, the guy she's talking to is the owner of the club, and his name is Harvey. Really, it's a guy named Derek McGrath. You might have known him from uh, Cheers. He was the guy, person who was going to, like, strangle Shelley Long. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> now, listen, did Mitzi Shore have a reputation for sleeping around with the comics? Uh, according to whom? The comics from the early 80s? Well, I mean... I'm just saying, in this movie, that's one of the main things about Gail. She's scared of earthquakes, and she sleeps with the comedian. Okay, so just just for being alive on planet Earth, here's what I know about Missy Shore. Missy Shore opened up the seminal uh, comedy store and redefined comedy, and pretty much everybody in there became superstars, yeah. uh, came out of comedy. And then she was, you know, she was a club owner. So she, well, she owned it with her husband, who was a longstanding comedian, like Paul mm-hmm. Shore or something like that. I forget. Yeah. Not Paulie Shore. Paulie Shore is her son. Right. Uh, I forget his name, but he was a... He was a big-time comedian who was always at the B-level. He opened for all the big guys. Yeah, I think and he opened for his son. a comedy club makes sense for him. You know, that's the way to get rich and get known if you're not really, you know, making it all so, the way. So, so. This, I guess the story, story is that he owned it, but Missy was the brains and the power behind it and yeah. uh, ran it. And... Uh, I know there's a reality show called Minding the Store where Pauly Shore uh, resumes uh, control of the of the comedy store because his mom's ailing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like how this camera. So Ron Kraft, the director, is like, "Here's your next comic. Here's a picture on the wall." Uh, Ron. Oh, is Clark, this this, yeah. this is is this That's Peter? Peter. That's Peter. Yeah. What's what's his act? Um, he he's funny. Let me remember what he's. Oh, oh uh, he's kind of. Um, he okay. See, I gotta say this is very interesting because we've been following Miles or, or Mark yeah. to literally drives up to LA and he walks in the club and then the camera immediately flies away from him. Oh look, you're not gonna fuck me? I'm out of here. Yeah, exactly. So he it's basically establishing this is where it's at. This is our pl- okay. Here's Howie Mandel, and I was a fan back in the day. Me too. I had his album. It's like a glove. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was a really prop cool. comic album. Yeah, he's a prop comic, and he's going to do a few props here. But what the director's doing is letting us know this is the setting for the uh, uh, movie, and the reason is it's where the comedy is happening. Now, this isn't an open mic. It is, like, in front of real people, but it so feels like an open mic. Yeah. Yeah. And all the comedians know each other. Like, half the audience is comedians. Now, it was weird. When Gail said, give her the light to um, to Marjorie, they flickered a light that the whole audience could see them flickering a light. You know, I've been to clubs like that. There's some oh, clubs that, well, there was a club called Doc's Lab in San Francisco, and unfortunately it closed, but they built it from the ground up. Uh-huh. And one of the things they did was they had a light on the wall, like kind of like a submarine light with that kind of like metal around it. And yeah. it was very clear. And if you're in the audience, you could pick up what it is. So this uh-huh. is not Los Angeles. This is not Los Angeles. This is not Hollywood or Sunset or uh, Melrose. Right in the movie, it's Los Angeles and it's the Funny Farm, the 
you know, the happening club. In reality, yeah, this is Montreal, Quebec, wow. Canada. Which yeah. is crazy. Well, a lot of, I guess Peter Ackroyd was Canadian. And so uh, is Howie Mandel. Howie and Mandel. Over, uh, Marjorie. Th- these are com- uh, these are Canadian people. Okay, look, I got to go uh, uh, network, Carl. I'll be right back. Hey, okay. great set, buddy. You were great. great hey, can I get a smoke? Hey, you guys smoking pot? You guys smoking pot? Can I join? This, this guy, this is Sammy, and he's selling Jake. Oh yeah, as one does. <laughs> right, he's got a special tonight. One joint, one joint. They'll give you, they'll give you a joke. Yeah, that's a that's a good deal. Because I would milk Sammy, that joke to death. In the plot, Sammy is the son of the very famous comedian uh, Billy Beekman, and they'll go visit Billy. And the director tries to show us the contrast between the established comedians who are like uh, Milton Berle types. The Vegas and the guys. New comedians. Today. The young yeah. comedians, right? Isn't that right. the HBO term? Yeah. Young comedian young special. Comedians. Oh, is he? So I know this guy. This is the pinky in the brain guy. Yeah, that's right. He's all about doing impressions. And that's what he does throughout the entire film. Yeah. And he does impressions when he's not on stage, which kind of bugs me. Like, we don't get together as comedians and do our acts off stage, you know? I know, Carl. Um, don't you hate it when a comic is doing their act? You're like, hey, what's up with the world today? And they're all like, <laughs> I, gotta, I haven't got to the tag yet. So his name is Maurice LaMarche. And yes. He was a Canadian voice actor from Toronto. Yeah, Pinky and the Brain. He was the brain. Um, he's a lot of stuff. I mean, I even, I recognized him. That's like how much shit voice talent work he's done. I actually recognized him when he popped on screen. Uh-huh. You recognized his face. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's pretty, well, I could, I recognized Tara uh, Strong. I recognized Frank Welker. Mm-hmm. Oh, drunk, he pissed in his pants. And he goes, well, now that's funny. So he would go on to be in Zootopia. He was Mr. Freeze from Batman. He was in wow. Yosemite Sam from Looney Tunes, a, a more modern one. Yeah, but no, he's the king my, of it. When my kids were young, they used to watch The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. And it turns out he was in that too. So his name's huh. Dickie in the movie. All right, so fair enough. There's, there's his impersonation, uh, 80s stuff. Hello, I'm Carl Sagan. Billions <laughs> and billions. Yeah, you're hey. right. He's doing Jimmy Carter. He's doing. Uh, you're right. He's doing contemporary. Can I can I do my Ronald Reagan? Yes, go ahead. All right, Ronald Reagan. Where's your uh, Where do you get your drinking water? Well, <laughs> very funny. Damn that grand slam. Well, now sometimes I'm wondering why do they have fake names? I mean, like uh, for instance, Mark. Champlin in our film, his real name is Miles Chapin. Why not oh. just make him Miles Chapin in the film? You know what? It's a fictitious film, and they decided to kind of divvy up. I'm trying to think if I've seen, like, there's a lot of comedy. How many comedy movies have you appeared in where someone shows up with a camera for making a, either a documentary or, like, an uh, expose? I was about to say zero, but I guess one. At the Wawa Social Club, this guy is making a documentary, and he just filmed every night. So I was only on one time. It was an open mic, so it was all new jokes. But luckily, luckily, I hit. So maybe I'll be in this documentary. 
I'll probably never even know when it comes out. It's going to be nothing, you know. Yeah, it's going to be nothing. I did one. I was at a uh, comedy competition, which I don't even. It's a show. At the end of the night, it's a show. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with, with the competition. And some guy was like unannounced recording it. So I'm listening on IMDb for his little magic special documentary. Uh, I was on public radio, a documentary on comedy, and I told one new joke that I didn't like, and that was the joke they kept. Oh, it brought, great. Thanks. And then, uh, uh, what else? Oh, gosh. Oh, and then uh, a friend did a, like an expose, like a fictitious thing at a comedy club, which we taped. I'm in a couple of those. I'm actually in a documentary called The Comedy Club about Cobb's Comedy Club. I think cool. it's where Tom Sawyer's wife yells at me for not cleaning a table properly for a space they never used, which I knew at the day of. Uh, but who knows? Uh, I heard it was an unwatchable documentary, but it's finally released, and they're using it as a benefit uh, recently for Will Durst, uh, which is terrific. He's a great comic, and anything to help him out at this time is terrific. So I like the documentary now. Did you get an IMD credit, IMDB credit? No, I didn't. You know, I signed a piece of paper, or I didn't sign a piece of paper. I only heard about the movie about eight years ago where uh, I had a weekly Facebook page for a weekly show event I had. And uh, the guy who did the movie started posting on my site, but I had, Mm -hmm. you know, I had to be approved and I kept declining it. So we've met now the love interest. So what's happened is he knocked over the waitress's tray and it was a big thing. And Gail said, you're a twerp. And, you know, it was like a negative. But the positive out of it is he's now meeting his love interest and she's taking him to where the comics hang out after so this is a waitress at a comedy club he's dating the waitress immediately yes immediately and she is an actress now you know once again like i forgive it because it's a movie and they gotta move it along right um, and comics and waitresses do date wait staff yes. i should say wait staff and com- comedians but now he's like not being funny. Like we're supposed to think it's funny. Like he pulled out a uh, Polaroid. Right. It was really a napkin. He, he pulled it out of the, you know, and he's saying, shake this. If it doesn't develop, take two aspirin and call me in the morning. Something like that. Uh, yeah, try too hard, man. But yeah, also, but you know, you know, she's, um, she's really all about soap operas. Uh, she's not a comedian at all. That's not why she's in this film. Her name is Tracy Bregman, and she was on Young and the Restless and The Bold and the Beautiful. That's her claim to fame, wow. really. This is something she just did. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, if she could deal with soap operas, she could deal with comedians. Look at their all guess, assholes. Yeah. Is this supposed to be Cantor's? This is like we're seeing that they're crazy. See, he's doing his impression. Peter he's doing he, right. I could tell by the eye. So that's the thing. Like, uh, it's just not true that offstage comedians are crazy and kooky. Look, he goes, don't try the toss salad. <laughs> oh, yes. His lettuce is serves me, but it's okay. It's a movie. Yeah, but you know what? Usually comedians are just terrible to be with, especially the, the popular ones. Like, if, you know, you first you go know, to a scene and there's say, a table. I got to say that, like, Comedians are just people, and there's a million of them, and, and they're all Granted. different. Granted. If you listen to Comedian Countdown, I mean, I, I I hit 50 comedians last year for you guys. Now, look, like, people say you got to be suicidal if you want to be a comedian. Comedians are just crazy. Okay, it's true. A lot of them are like that. 
a lot of them are anti-social and stuff, but it's just not true that that is the comedian. There's just too many. No, that's true. But I, I mean, I've seen like just playing, you know, part of it is that there's a vulnerability on stage. So when you perform, you're, you're basically exposing yourself and uh -huh. yeah. some comedians build a way to deal with it by being, you know, it's a sole proprietorship business. You yes. don't have to be friends with anyone. And in fact, you don't even have to be polite to anybody uh, because you, it's all about the performing and, and, and working. And so, you know, I, sometimes because you're so vulnerable on stage, I feel comedians are assholes. It's the people who quit comedy are still assholes. Then they become assholes. Then there's like no <laughs> excuse. Like if you're a former comedian and you're still being an asshole and taking stuff and <laughs> bad mouthing people, it's just like maybe it's you, you know? <laughs> yeah. This is his uh, house. This is where he lives at the Starlight Motel. She will way too quickly ask him to move in <gasps> with her and become Ooh. in a relationship. Uh, wow, they're kissing. Yeah, they, yeah, he's, this whole movie, he moves fast. He goes through everything so fast. So it, this is like January 1st. This is like a, a, a year of this guy's life. Well, it, he just arrived. He just arrived in town. He learned about the funny farm. He went there, and now he's kissing girls. Yeah, and now he's at the new talent audition. Oh, look at this, the open mic. Oh, and look at all the crazy costume people. There's always okay, crazy. So what happens here is you and I know um, that comedy doesn't really have an audition night in which you go up and see who's, you know, like, we're looking for new talent. No, rather, on a weird night like a Wednesday when the bar's not going to make money, they hold an open mic. And it's really just, I wouldn't say a ploy, it's I'll use the word though. It's a ploy to get people into the bar so they can make some money on a on a weird night. You know? Sure. And listen, that's when uh, you might get. I mean, I did that at Scotty's, and I got a job there as like a maitre d kind of thing, and that meant that I could host every now and again. So in a sense, it hugs reality, but it really wasn't a audition. You know, it was just. Well, you so know, like, I, that's I what do they're this. doing here. They, people are lining up like, I'm going to be the next star. It's not, it's, it's not really the world of comedy. But I do know, like, you know, if they're doing three different shows or like if it's Los Angeles, if it's Los Angeles, they might have a 630 show and an 8 o'clock show and a midnight show and a 10 p.m. show. All and right, let me those... talk about that then, right? Yeah. What really happens in the comedy world, and I think you'll back me up on this, is that you have at a comedy club a host a feature who does like 30 minutes and then the headliner does like an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. That's really the formula, uh, whatever club you go to. This, this club on their Saturday nights, like they have 20 comedians and they all get up there and they don't do a set amount of time. They just go until Gail says, that's it, give them the light. Because, oh, are these examples of the open micers? The, the, two, the, the housewife and then the kid? Yes. And they're Is not it? open micers. They're going. They're they think they're at an audition. They're on an. They're going to audition. But I know that you know some some clubs here in Los Angeles. They do have technically an audition night. I mean, it's a showcase. Uh -huh. But basically, you know, you meet the people and they say, "Okay, come perform on on Tuesday." At the Is 6:30. it a bringer? No, but you know they have other shows that night, even for a Tuesday. So. 
So maybe uh, it is there. Maybe there is some reality to the yeah. audition I feel, night. Hey, it's the old groomins, mans. The mans are groomins Chinese for this. Uh, I don't know. Even though I live, okay. Here we have Steve Allen. Oh, and Bel Air. Does he know he's in the movie? Uh, Probably. Now, one of the first things Ron Clark ever did, this director, listen, he's only directed two things. He's not a director. He's a writer. Okay. And his, like one of his very first gigs ever in 1967 was the Steve comedy, uh, Steve Allen comedy hour. So he wrote eight episodes of that. Oh, so he got his buddy in there. Yeah, so I guess that's how he knows. Listen, let me talk about this director as a writer for a sure. minute. He wrote the screenplay. Look, maybe he was one of a group. I don't know. But The Revenge of the Pink Panther, um, High Anxiety in 1977, Silent Movie in 76. Good, three good movies. Revenge is okay. I think that's the one with the parrot. Yes, that's one with a – that's a true Pink Panther movie, not a bullshit let's make some money movie. <laughs> like The Curse of the Pink Panther. <laughs> oh, I, I, I think Clouseau is in an outtake coming up next. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now here he was also a writer for Pat Paulson for president. Um, two Smother Brothers comedy shows in the sixties. Danny K TV show was his second one. He started Jackie Gleason. Uh, so this guy has been a serious writer. Uh, Paul Lynn show, Rich Little show, uh, Jackie Mason, The World According to Me. Uh, oh wow! He's all, he's all over the place as a writer. Well, that Jackie Mason show was big back then. Uh, let's see. I think it was the year, okay. Uh, like 86, maybe. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. oh, he's going up. Hey, man, good set. Good set. Don't choke. So he's going to go you're off, and he's only going to do like three minutes. And he Dale's going to say, Dale's, and he, did you see he, he had this traditional. Um, hey, player. Set, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So he, it wasn't his smartphone. Wait, so did he, he just get heckled by a comic? Yeah. Yeah, he got heckled by a comic. He's going to do essentially three minutes, and he's going to have one giggle at the end. But Gail's going to say, that was good. That was really good. You can work here. Parking cars. Ooh, like Sam Kinison watching the door. He's going to be a valet. Oh, wow. So that must have been a really bad set. Hey, it's really great to be here. I wonder if he's doing my, if he's eating it, he's probably doing my act. Hey, guys, have you ever tried? I'm sorry I'm, I got you here so late. I feel really sick. I, uh, I had the green bread. You guys know the green bread on top of the refrigerator? <laughs> I mean, it was fine when I moved in. The green bread. I thought it was healthy. I thought it was vegetables. Yeah, I thought it was vegetables. I thought it was plant-based. It was a growth. So he's eating it, huh? Look at that. We hate you now. Well, he's not really it. He's just they like him. They like him. No, the comics are yo, hey, uh, I have a joke for you. What do you call a comedian who heckles? Not a comedian. There. I said my piece, Carl. Sorry, I just got myself a seltzer. What do you call a comedian who heckles? Oh, you're killing me. Uh, not a comedian. Another comedian. Yeah. Not not a comedian. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, you're a heckler. You're not a comedian. 
Yeah. What do you heckle a comedian? You're you're not a comedian in my eyes. So the the main heckler at Scotty's, right? He's like one of those insult comedians. Oh, he left his he left his thing on stage. <laughs> oh, did he? Yeah, he left his the the comic the host called him out. He said you left your uh, tape recorder. Oh, that's funny. How could I have missed that? I saw this film like four times. You didn't have that sinking feeling. I had that feeling in my stomach. That's why I recognized it. Oh, I left my phone. Shit. 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 I really wanted to listen to that set I ate. Anyway, thank you. Once at the Broadway Comedy Club, somebody left their drink up there, and I made a whole big thing out of it. <clears throat> oh, do you ever like pick up someone's book if they leave their notebook? Uh, there's a lost and found at Scotty's and there are some comedians. Uh, okay. Here's the guy who's on cheers trying to strangle Shelly long. Um, oh, okay. So this is Mr. Shore. He, I guess he's just in this film. He's not related to her. He's just the owner and he's up there and he's like doing some very bad joke, like a frog in a blender kind of joke. I think you, uh, saw this film. And so someone goes, there's an, there's, Please, an important announcement, important announcement. He goes, oh, excuse me, there's an important announcement. And he goes, get off the stage. Hey, that's not funny. These are the comics pissing on the owner? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that I got to find a music. They piss on Gail and they piss on the owner. Oh, that's not cool. Oh, yeah, here's the message. Oh, oh. there's an important message. Oh, oh it's Mike Spiegelman's set. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to open with the green. I'm not opening with the green bread Spiegelman. You got to rewrite the list. I'll close with green bread. Mike, do you care when you go up? Okay, you're first. <laughs> no, of course not. I'm a, you're first. Important meeting. Oh, I don't. I didn't really want to go. You're not Get really first. You're stage. you're second. You're not really going first, Carl. You're second. You see, because I'm the host, and I'll do a few minutes. Yeah, and then you'll be the second comedian, and then yeah, the third exactly. pro, the third comedian will be me because I'm going to go up again, and then the fourth comedian will be the second comedian. And then the fifth comedian will be me again. And then the sixth comedian will be the third comedian. It's easy as pie. You're not first. And go. <laughs> Don't you hate when, when hosts do like five full minutes in between people? I hate that. Yeah, I do. And uh, I, I'm looking at you. I hope every comic went cold when I said that. Oh, is that her casting couch? There you go. Yes, this is her casting couch. But that's not what she's going to do. She's basically tricking this guy into becoming a valet parking attendant no i i did see this but i i'm just gonna say this once carl and uh pretend i never saw it ella burson is really acting in this movie this is a yes. terrific performance she's a real lived-in human being yeah uh, and you can see her as the brains of and and the disrespect she gets and yeah how it feels on her and it's like a real lived-in performance i was just stunned by it so anyway, just getting back, and we'll get back to our little Miles and our Howie and our, our other comedian friends acting, but it, it's a real difference to have an actor in this movie. An actress, yes. Now, I'm going to talk about her, but I have to interrupt myself because this guy is like the only real comedian who goes to the funny farm, apparently. And he's really good, and everyone uh, really loves him. Um, in the film, he's called... He has bongos, Carl. Is his name Andy Kaufman? Yeah. Well, he is a crazy person, and we'll find that out as the film goes along. Here it is. It's Bruce Nutter. 
His real name is Mike McDonald, and he did have a career. In real life, he was bipolar. Um, there's some club singer named Johnny Vegas who's famous. He's the older brother of him. But um, he is good in this. Yes, he's got his bongos. Yeah. He's, and he's taking pictures, and he's acting creepy with women. He's, anytime there's a, something sexual, you have to make it. You know, well, is he on stage? Is he in know, control? Mike, are you a born again Christian? And yes, I am. Is creepy. Look, do these girls look like they're creeped out? I think they want to be up there with him, right? All right. Is he going to ask them to, to take their clothes off? What if he did, Mike? Why would that be creepy? Because uh, he's taking photos. Uh, all right, I get it. It's funny. All right, I get it. I saw Howard Stern live like forty years ago. Who am I to Mark, say? There are there are advances. Mark. There are. Oh, excuse me, Mike. Mike, there are sexual advances that are unwanted, and those are creepy. Every sexual advance in the world is not unwanted. Every sex thing in the world is not. And another thing is children. If there's ever any children on the screen, you go, oh, my God. Like, okay. what? You want to fuck children, Mike? He wish. Wait, are there children in this movie? No. Then no, of course not. No, but we saw Bugsy Malone, and you were like, this is sick. It's cute. It's a little inappropriate. It is not inappropriate. Bugsy Willow is a little inappropriate. It because uh, Jodie Foster was being sexy or something. She was. Hey, when was the last time you you were in a club and they had a copy of Variety in the office? (laughs) Well, it's 1983. All right. Well, yeah, you're right because this is the powerhouse. Listen, I'm eating my cake and having it too. I'm saying this movie is sexist while I'm looking at this woman. So there we go. Now, this is, uh, that's what he's saying. He's the only real comedian we've got. And uh, I kind of don't know what that means because it's supposed to be a comedy club and those guys are all the chosen performers, Peter Ackroyd. This is is Andy Kaufman. He's telling the audience to come out and I'll do a new performance. Kaufman did that. Well, you know what's funny? Steve Martin did. That was oh, interesting. Steve Martin's first. When Steve Martin first had his routine, he would go to San Francisco. He would go to, he, he would uh, take the people outside. Now, he had to learn to only do it after they dropped checks and got their money, you know? Right. But this was a Steve Martin move. He discovered it by mistake one day. I read from his book. Um, he was saying, okay, that's it. Show's over. And everyone thought he was being funny. And he goes, no, seriously, show's over. I'm going outside now. And everyone started to follow him. And he was out by some like abandoned pool and he walked down into it and they all stood around the pool as he kept going. So he, by that weird night, he made it into a thing. He, he would take everyone out into the street and then he would leave. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. I always thought, yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I tried I, to find like a YouTube clip of it or something. I never could. Oh man, that would be so much fun to watch old old Steve Martin videos. Yeah, because the old Steve Martin videos we see are after his Saturday Night Live and albums. You know, we see his polished. Uh, I've never seen a Steve Martin uh, unfamous open mic kind of thing. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you have the comedy albums, which he performed uh, in San Francisco for the first album. And then on Red Rocks, right, with Side B, wasn't it? No. I don't remember. I remember ex- 
Excuse me. That was all in San Francisco. Right. It was like the works. God, it was uh, the Fisherman's Wharf. Not the Fisherman's Wharf, but it was like some weird uh, name. Yeah, he's when I remember my first beer. That was San Francisco. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Steve Martin had a heckler in the audience, and he didn't pay him any mind. He just said, yeah, I remember <laughs> my first beer. Which is like, he nailed that one. Like, yeah. You can't use that line. Of course, it made it onto the album. That's why he... Yeah, I know. Sometimes, like, like, um, I, I thought to myself, okay, I'll say alcohol lowers your inhibitions or something like that, but I never had the chance. There's a joke in this one when it feels so bad. Howie Mandel goes like, um, I was trying to catch a plane, but they go like 600 miles per hour. I want to steal that joke. What's the way explain the joke? I was well, I would catch- say like I would say like oh man I have a hard time catching planes. Anybody else here? I always have a hard time catching the planes. I mean they go like four hundred miles per hour. Yeah, but when you say catch, then we know what the joke is. No, we'll catch a plane. You know, catch, it's, yeah, it's You're a right. good redirect. It's a good redirect. Well, because it's a phrase. That's what's funny. There. So he's woken his girlfriend up at three in the morning, and he's like, I have a persona now. I am a wasp. Nobody else is the comedian. You've got the lesbian <laughs> comedian, the Hispanic comedian. You've got the, you know, but nobody's a wasp comedian. If I may. So so comedians have to pander to white audiences so they won't, so they can immediately be liked and, and do their time in peace. So it's like, oh, I see a Mexicani or whatever they say in this movie. Yeah. And he's like, he watches that. He goes, shit, I'll just say I'm white. I'll do the same ethnic humor, but I'll say I'm white. Uh-huh. Well, and you then- know, you're right about that. And I really didn't appreciate it in this film. Film. The the guy, his name is Dino in real in the real world. Let me see if I can find it. Lou, Lou Dino as Miguel. He was only in three things, but you're right about that. He got up there and he did... Uh, he did stereotypes about Latino people that white people would appreciate. Yeah, uh, the fry cook. Right, and he did his horrible accent and stuff. And then when the black comedian goes up, he goes, "Can y'all see me, or should I smile?" I uh-huh. just—it's just so like pan. Um, what's the word? It's like—it's uh, a bunch of things. It, it is pandering. Uh, it is. But it's uh, it's, it's pandering kinda... to like the worst in us. Yeah. You know, it's you're black, so you gotta make it about being black. But he made it about like how a dummy white person would make a black joke. Like I don't know. I didn't... Oh my god, these comedians have day jobs. How strange. Yeah. Now this yeah. is the pinky in the brain, and it's his day job, and they showed up to fuck with him. Oh, and Howie Mandel has his handbag. Yeah, his handbag. Yeah, I, 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 getting back to like the, it is kind of pandering, and also like the material is aimed for white clubs, you know. And and if you're going on the road and stuff like that, if you're a road comedian or a little warrior, you're gonna have to play that way to to, to connect to any crowd, you know. But I guess yes. But also like there's other clubs, you know. Like if I pander as a Jew and then I do a Jewish room, like am I gonna do the same bits? Probably explain no. Jewish stuff. Right. So it seems weird that this guy is like he sees that that formula is in place because that's the only way. Oh, Fern Bar, how fucking Los Angeles in the eighties? Uh, yeah, and he's complaining about LA right now. Well, you're you are in a Fern Bar. Drinking Perrier. 
He's just like the perfect girlfriend. It's a movie, you know? Oh, yeah, because, I mean, I don't know if waitresses, waitstaff likes getting hit by comedians, and then if they, you know, if they do come across, you know, and they meet someone at work and they, they date, sometimes it doesn't last, or sometimes it's really ugly. There was a ridiculous thing they said in here as if, like, you know, like band members have roadies. You know, there are comics who are, there are women who just love to date comics. It's not That's true. not true. That's it's not true. not true. You know, I, I know. Fact, we're the only, we are the only, like, Xenophon is like you're an athlete or you're a musician or you're an actor. We're the only get on the stage and perform thing that does not attract women at all. No. Yeah, no, it, there's no group, uh, groupies. Nope. Uh, nope. Right. You know, no it's weird. I, one side I would say is that uh, I, uh, Los Angeles, like, porn actors, I guess in the 80s, uh, I learned this from the True Hollywood Story for the kid who got his tongue stuck on the pole in, in mm, Christmas Story, mm-hmm. Scotty Smith, who got into pornography. But they would always go, he met a lot of people at, like, the comedy store because he's. Uh, they would go be audience members at the comedy clubs. Look at the cops right behind him. Oh, they fucked up. Oh, well, no, what that? they're doing is a pretend insurance scam in which they're claiming they're hurt and they got hit. And then when it turns out to be cops, they like, they bail. They say, oh, I feel better now. And I don't know. It's not funny. Oh, so they they thought it was like a civilian car behind them and they were going to Yeah, and then them. it was a cop. Yeah. But they got a comedy show. The show's still going on. Well, no, they're all not there yet. And Gail is freaking out because none of them. So he goes, what about this one? What about that one? All right, put this one up. And then so they that's how they're giving um, uh, Mark Champlin a shot. They're ah, going, the, the yeah. classic. That's a classic. You know, oh, shit, there no one's here. And that fucking comic Spiegelman is still at the fucking bar every night. Right. Get him yes. on. Give Spiegelman a shot. You know, the Be- last time that happened, I could see the club owner uh, – like shaking because there was a possibility that she might have asked me. Like she was trying to look for everyone but me. And I was like, well, I didn't really sweat it because I had a show that night. You know, uh-huh. I felt insulted, but it wasn't like I was, I didn't really, of course I would have dropped everything and done it, but yeah, it wasn't like I, I was getting a set that night. That's what I was thinking back then when I was that young. Right. But yeah, it was a little, you know, you gotta have a thick skin sometimes. So now they're like, oh, we feel better. Oh, because an ambulance showed up. Something like that. It's not funny. And it doesn't make sense in the real world. And Oh, there's old Colorado Avenue in the heart of Santa Monica. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, they, they got signs. They made signs and put them up. Uh, this is his big shot. It's your big chance. Right. Oh, I see. He can't believe it. Now, you know, this, it looks like valet tickets, but I'm sure it's a set. Like, every time you go into a big club, I always, like, I would always have my set list, like, prepared, just in case. <laughs> I, Me too. I, I have a set list in my wallet, and it just sits there for the day. It's like, Mr. Kevin Hart is sick. Can you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you got, listen, Peter Aykroyd, Dan, Howie Mandel, uh, Maurice Le, oh, Le, LeBrain. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. This is this guy is is Native American, and he's doing exactly what you're talking about. He's the piece. Making, 
smoke signals jokes. Uh, He's saying if we didn't smoke, we made up the peace pipe, and if we didn't smoke so much shit, we would still own this country. It's it's. Yeah. I, I feel bad for him. I'm insulted by the world that it has to be like this. But I also feel like Mark Chapman, so this guy who can like. If it's a white crowd that everyone's been pandering so they can get, if he's on the same way, they're all, and he does this, like, he does the same routines that everyone else is doing. Like, he steals, like, the only reason they're doing that material is that they can't just be themselves. They have to kind right. of. They so can't he, be themselves. So he, he, he says, oh, you know what? I'll just do it, but I'll do it a white style, you know? And then. Uh, it's it, creative, it, though. It is. Well, you know, the whole, like, wasp. You remember in the 80s was Martin Mull, you know, the history of yes. white people and yes. mayonnaise jokes and stuff like that. And they're funny. I mean, there was a good mayonnaise joke in uh, The Jerk. They made a sandwich in mayonnaise. I, 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 I thought guess. I did that whole film. I don't remember. Uh... Didn't, like, his family made him a sandwich that had, like, mayonnaise on it? Like, they made him some kind of sandwich. I don't know if mayonnaise was on it. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking over this guy's set. Oh, there he oh, is. Put on the board. Let's hear him. Let's All right. Here we go. Studio sound. No, it's not. Do you think this is really Miles' act? His real act? No, I don't. What's interesting about this guy is he was a descendant of Steinway and Sons. Oh, the, the Steinway pianos? Right. And in addition to his acting career, he worked as a sales consultant for Steinway and Sons, and he pretty much hung up acting and comedy, and that's what he does now. He oh. is a top executive at Steinway, and he sells pianos. He, he wrote two nonfiction books. One of them was called 88 Keys, you know. Oh, great. Oh, is he talking about a laptop? No, he's talking about the piano. Oh, he's talking about the locksmith down the street. You know, he had now, more this than guy did have a two things, three things that were interesting. He was the, a character named Carter in Howard the Duck. Okay, um, all right. He was in Hair in 1979 as Steve Ooh. Wright, one of the. So he was a guys. singer, yeah. And he was in The People versus Larry Flint, and he as Miles. That is his real name in ninety. So that's the same director, Miles Foreman? No, Miles Champ. Champion no, 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 but, is... but the, the People versus Larry Flint and Hair is the same director. Miles. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and a famous director, too. Uh, His I, name I, in Hair was Steve Wright, and it makes me think of Stephen Wright. Oh, right. Well, you know, I know his face from the Funhouse. I've, okay. I've seen the Funhouse, and I know him from that movie. No, he was uh, Richie in that movie in 81. Have and you I seen that? Mention, no, but I saw, we saw some horror, we saw some film, maybe it was that um, uh, performance, and one of the guys, like maybe the camera person was associated with the funhouse, so I learned yeah. all about it. I saw it on TCM Underground. It's Toby Hooper, the guy who did uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, and that's it, what it was. We saw Eggshells. Yeah, right. We saw his film before Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Toby, well, one of his subsequent films in the early 80s, it's like a bunch of young teens that look exactly like him, 
and they go to like a, a county fair and they have like these you know a fun house uh but there's like uh, uh like a monster who slaughters them right and yeah it's a film of note like it was well done i haven't it's really well done people people talk about it he was in that he was in a bunch of stuff but those are the things you'd know Dude, and yeah. I got some great poop on. What a wasp! What a wasp! He's got his he's got his white guy prop, like his he's got his ethnic prop. He's stealing ethnic humor and making it white. He's gentrifying it. Yeah. <laughs> so well, they spent uh, like under under four million, just under four million dollars to make this thing. Now that's Canadian dollars, and this was backed by the Canadian Film Development Corporation. Uh, this was this this was theatrically released and it did okay. The the internet doesn't. I, there's not even a Wikipedia page for this film. The internet forgot about this. Yeah, you know, I used to before the internet. I had like Video Hound and I ha- and I would I would see actors. They would list the actors in the back, and Peter Ackroyd would be listed, and I'd be like, I want to see Dan yeah. Ackroyd's brother's movie, and right. I could never find this movie. You know. So I'm really glad. I mean, the the premise of our podcast is that we can finally watch movies that we've only heard about, you know, yeah. that we didn't have access to, and now we have instant. You access. would read a you would read a fanzine. You yeah, would, and I would. It would be in the back of the, you know, but you would have to go down to the Zigfield in New York, you know, on have, Tuesday at eight p.m. Worse, I would have to go to Kim's Video in New York and deal with those. Right? I've never been there. My brother said they're all assholes back in the '80s. Like that was the hip video store, but yeah, right. I, in in the nineties there was Leather Tongue and there was uh, uh, Place Down the Lower Hate, and they had like snooty, uh, you know, uh, video clerks. And I, I worked in a video store in Montclair, so you know I, I'm part yeah. of that milieu. But uh, which mm-hmm. one was it? The one in Watchung Plaza? Uh, I think it was on Bloomfield. Bloomfield Avenue. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying By to think what? if it was. What's that? By what? What was it, it near? I, I the think the it was, he, uh, it used to be. I might have been the by arcade. the Wellmont. No, not down by the Wellmont. More by the Claridge, I guess. Okay. Yeah, like kind of crisscross, you know, on, on Fullerton and like. I, I think it was. I Blue can't Field. remember. I know that you were there, and I even visited. It might have been. Maybe it was in Watchung Plaza. No, Watchung Plaza. I would remember. Yes, exactly. definitely. I, yeah, I kind of trashed a job. I, I was like so hung up with my co- college girlfriend that I couldn't work the summer, and I just lost that job. But uh, it was fun, you know. I okay, met a lot. Now they are seeing, um, they are seeing the only real comedian, uh, Andy Kaufman, the bongo guy. Yeah. And they're like, let's find out. See, he doesn't talk to anybody. He considers himself, he's like kind of snobby, like I'm a real comedian and you guys are open micers, even though it's not called that. Um, and so they're following him. They're following his bus. Now, his bus is going to the dirt, dirt poor part of town. I don't know. What does that mean? Compton? I don't know. And this, um, You say this in Montreal, so I don't have to beat myself in the head because I don't recognize <laughs> the bus line or the right. uh, where it parks. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't, I, God Bruce damn it. Nutter, that's his name. Bruce Nutter in the film. Nutter. That name's a little contrived. So they're following him, 
to see where he lives, and then they're going to fuck with him. Looks like he lives in the Mexican part of town. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that real graffiti, or did they spray it up for the movie? Yeah, good question. Uh, the owner tell me. But if this is a real house, that's kind of sucky for them to do that. Is this an abandoned building? Is this a movie nope, lot? This is, this is a poor apartment building, apparently. Yeah, and but was, when they when they shot the funny farm, was it a real building? Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. The internet, uh, there was an IMDb entry which almost didn't say anything about the film. So, uh, you know, I usually get my main information from Wikipedia, fill in the blanks with that trivia section from IMDb, and right. then begin scouring the internet for the real interesting stuff. There right. was none of that with this film. I found out all about the actors. I found out all about how it's Canadian. Okay. But it's killing me. There must be like so many comedians from Los Angeles who's been around for 40 years. They talk about it. They do podcasts. They do live streams. You can mm -hmm. hear their history. So I'm just surprised no one's really discovered this or talked about this. Maybe He's got a gun. Because it was Canada. Yeah. Well, I don't remember seeing it in 83. I remember E.T. Uh -huh. <laughs> now, because you can you punks invade my privacy you get you get out of here and yeah. he's gonna get really upset oh really no no upset. i take it back look they did they did some work on this movie the director had these people on cue will you shut up <laughs> okay i want he's you to stand in this gun. lady's apartment and then when i say when i call you pick up the pretend you hear them outside oh look at this he's already he made it off that one set yeah, he is now, since he's wall. been invited up there to perform, he's going to be, you know, he's one of the regular comedians now at the Funny Farm. Things are moving quick for this guy, because it's really a movie, quick. but... Uh, this is all within the year. He moved in. Now he's on the phone with a TV studio going, did you make a decision about my pilot yet? Now, was this because... Of that set he did was so well there was there was someone in the yeah, audience right there was that there right there was a talent scout and they they he's auditions now for a pilot this just isn't the way the world works as a guy who's made a pilot nobody was interested in it and then is now in the middle of making a second pilot i assure you america now i know this was a different time but I... still you don't just walk off the street and get offered a pilot Let's let's put it this way, okay? Uh, maybe the writer and a director is so fucking bitter that in his movie, you know, the fucking young handsome guy immediately gets a pilot, right? Just you know, to vicariously, just for the sake of the story and just for his bitterness. Now he's at Sammy's house and he sees Sammy with the picture of Philly Beekman. What's going on? Then he finds out it's my it's dad. My dad. Oh, why don't you go on stage? Be Philly Beekman's son. This guy, this guy, he plays all around the room, and he's Philly Beekman's son. Give it up for Philly Beekman Jr. Right. I mean, Tony. Tony Beekman. Sorry. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. There's some, uh, I guess, uh, Buddy Hackett's son was a comedian. Uh, I don't know. Jackie Mason's daughter, and it's illegitimate, she changed her name to Mason. She's Sheba Mason, just so you know. She, yeah. She's the daughter. There is also um, Kelly. Who Kelly, uh, um, uh, living in a van down by the river. 
Oh, his brother Kevin. His brother is yeah. yeah. And and they look similar, you know. They're okay. So because Sammy's dad is uh Philly Beekman, he's arranged for these guys to get to go there for free to Vegas. So they're flying. I don't know if they paid for uh, the from plane. what are they going from Montreal to Toronto now? They're going from Los Angeles to <laughs> Vegas. To, oh, it's smiling. Got a clown face clown. Oh yeah, look, this looks kind of like Montreal's version of Las Vegas. No, they're in Vegas. Oh, Piazzadora is in Las Vegas, Carl. I so, did you think of that movie, Fake Out? Fake Out, Fake Out. There's yeah. Don Rickles. Oh, and he was, mooned him. Um, where it's at, we saw Don Rickles yeah, in, in Vegas. Las Vegas as well. I believe that this has got to be really Vegas. I mean, they're not going to do the fake set. No, and they actually paid to get, like, this phony name up on the sand. Yep. A marquee. Yeah, yep. that's great. This guy, Philly Beekman, his name is Jack Carter. and he was Oh, Jack Carter. Yeah. So he was, like, in the vein of Milton Berle. Um, yes, and we should. Let's see I if we can. enjoy his act. You want to listen? I yeah, I do. Funny. So this has to be his act. He's not doing a character's act. It's probably Jack Carter's bit act, right? Goes, this band is one of the greatest bands of our day. I don't know. At night, they kind of suck. Here he is. Jack Carter. Hey, 1983. Folks. Yeah. He had a long, distinguished career. He died at 93 in Los Angeles. And like five years ago, six years ago. Yeah. I remember that. Let's see here. 93rd birthday, 2015. He's killing. Because of his jacket. Because of his jacket. Oh, look, even how is this? Two, three, four. So, you know, this is interesting, Carl, because unlike I'm dying up here with Jim Carrey, right. this is contemporary comedy looking at their uh, at, at their their elders, I guess, yes. whatever the old comics are, uh, and they're commenting. So it's young comedians. They feel young comedians talking to the Vegas act. Right. And then we're going to see that in his hotel room after. Now, this guy was for real. He was on the, the Cavalcade of Stars, and he got his own NBC show called The Jack Carter Show. Um, he hosted, uh, there was, there was a, there was something called the half hour Saturday night programming slot and, and <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Yeah. He did a show right after Sid Caesar, Carl Reiner was on it. Um, he was friends with Sid Caesar is, he gave the eulogy at his funeral. He was a frequent guest on Ed Sullivan. You know, one thing I have to say, I, I looked up Jack Carter and there was like a video of Howie Mandel talking about him. Uh-huh. Like bold, bold Howie. Yeah, oh, this is this is curly haired Howie. Now Sammy, his son, didn't even come. Wow. Yeah. 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 And what's gonna happen is he's gonna the thing's gonna start off with like, hey, young comedians trying to pick my brains. Welcome, welcome. But then he's gonna start doing some racist stuff. Uh, with his, uh, I don't know, this, he's got this guy here with the, the bow tie. Yeah, with the bow tie. And he's been with him for 20 years or something. And 
basically he starts shitting on him. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, and the room flips, and they're against Jack Carter. The Carter's no George Clooney, is what you're saying. That's right. I don't know what a, to be a George Clooney is. You got your friends, you know, your friends you, you've been there for your whole life, you know, like my friend, he gave me money for my headshot back in 82. Oh, he kissed a black man's head. Uh, yeah, look, there's Miles. He's not digging it at all. Yeah, he's not, like, not digging it. And um, yeah, so things will turn sour. He'll start pontificating about, uh, you know, you young kids, I mean, you didn't pay your dues. I cut my teeth on shitty rooms and everything. And then they'll say, like, well, when's the last time you saw a new comedian? As if, I don't know, it's, it's a <laughs> fake thing. Like, No, it's not true. Why don't we substitute young comedians with Zoom comedians and old school comedians with, like, comedians who did it in real life? Who had a, you know, you guys. Why your would... Why would a Kevin Hart, a Chris Rock come on down to Scotty's and check out new comedians? You know what I mean? Like, why would they? Because it's it's a vibrant. No, that's I think they have a solid argument. You, you okay. get yourself kind of stuck in a rut and you don't realize there's been generations and generations of new comedians and that things are different from the way the foundation is slightly different. It's different. Oh, look at this. Yeah, he's giving right me now. He's drinks. Going, come on. Uh, my drink is empty here and he's insulting him and he's doing ethnic racist slurs and he goes what was that too smart for the room which i thought was a funny line wow it's getting awkward now, now. it's turned sour now we got now whiskey salt. sour yeah now it's gonna flip and he's gonna start getting mad at him you young punks you don't know what? anything you don't respect anything and jack jack carter's a bit of a hothead wasn't he in real life, I'm not sure. Um, I kind of I, I gonna, read about him was positive. Yeah, I know he's a, he's an interesting comedian. I, I have to, you know what? I'm gonna go take watch him on YouTube. I'm gonna see if I can find like a, a 20 minute set or something. Well, there was one bad thing. He was in that horror film Alligator in 1980, which which was <laughs> I don't know why he would do that, but well, I know weird blemish on his on his. Well, he's been on like Ed Sullivan, like he's probably t- uh, for dozens of times. He's yeah. he was a staple on Sullivan. Yes, more than dozens. I don't know about staple, but he was one of their regular go-to guys. You want to make an audience laugh? We got a hole. Get know. Carter. And you young comedians, you're snorting coke with Robin Williams. I don't even <laughs> know what snorting coke with Robin Williams means. Hey, man. When's the last time you checked out our ass? Well, I would eat, but okay. No, this this is an interesting yeah, moment. Right it's like road comics and like locals and, you know, comics pitting each other against each other. You know, it's comedy. It's a good point. They came to watch his show. Also, who, as a comedian, who fucking watches shows? Right? Who watches shows? Well, I mean, I- like. Do you go out and see like a show? You're like, oh, Brian Regan's in town. I'm going to go see him. Oh, I know what you're saying. Uh, I guess the honest answer has to be no, but I'm always like, I'm going to go. Like, right. for instance, Kevin Hart was at Levity Live doing new material, which is in Palisades Park. Uh, it's 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 Nyack, New York. It's really close. It's like a 350 feet 
I looked at the ticket prices and I was like, forget it. Also, um, Louis C.K. was there after his disgrace. And I was like, this would be interesting, but I never went. Um, There's another name you would know, and he was at the uh, Stress Factory in New Brunswick. And the show was called Trying New Stuff. I, uh, that's about 250 seats. I was going to go to that. I didn't. You know, so, I mean, this is all pre-pandemic talking. And actually, when I had a little more of a drive in, in comedy, but you would go out and you would, you know, at a showcase, I would always watch people because I wanted to see what they were doing. I wanted to mm-hmm. see, and if they were good, you know, like Tom Rhodes, I think is a fucking genius. And mm-hmm. I watched him every time and because everything he does. Oh, is this the executive? Oh, it's Brandon Tartikoff. Now, this NBC. Is, yeah, they're no, it's Tartikoff. Yeah, the three-piece suit. The guy behind the oh, – oh, all right. Are they going to go with the young guy, the white guy? Well, who they're does like, ethnic are we material? going with the actor or are we going with the comedian? And so they, you know, they have an argument about it. And he's like, well, I like the comedian. I think he's going to be the next big thing. But he's in the room. In, yeah. Is that realistic? Yeah, it is. It's, that's the way Hollywood works. I mean, it's heightened. I would have to say that the, the, the uh, writer director is making a point by having this guy accelerate and while being dissed in the room, he's while like, Oh, great. They're going to diss him the moment he walks out of the room. You're great. Smile is all around. Okay. Smiles. Brandon Tartikoff. Brandon Tartikoff came up with like Punky Brewster came up with uh, different strokes. He wore a three piece uh, tan suit with a vest and he was about that guy's size. So obviously that's who oh. they're going for. Yeah. I don't know. I Getting back to watching comics, uh, I, I mean, I like comedy, and that's why I, I definitely watch it. But, uh, you know, when I would do this room, I would go to rooms that, like, showcases just to say hi and just to be seen there, but also to see what the comics were like and what they were well, doing. You I always learn from that. Yeah. I, I always stay in the room when there's an open mic. People like uh, my good friend Anthony Quinn, and um, I won't start naming names. I was, yeah. Guy, but a lot of them, they go up, they do their set, and then they like disappear to like smoke pot or bullshit with the other comedians. And I never do. I always stay in the room. You don't, I want to see don't... what everyone's doing. Yeah, but bullshitting with other comedians will get you other sets, and also just kind of you know it's networking. There's many, many, many facets. I'm not saying talk, not don't talk I, over course, someone's set. I, of course, hang out with the comedians, but I'm just trying to say that watching all of the comedian sets is really of value to you as a comedian, and I also just want to laugh. I want to see what they're doing, what's going on. So now he's telling the girlfriend, uh, I got the pilot, you know, and it's like his big, he's having his up moment so we can see him crash later. Ah. Uh. Hey guys, I'm singing. I got a pilot. Hey, no need to diet. I already got my pilot. <laughs> That's what he's screaming at other guys. I got a pilot. I got a pilot. Oh, he's that comic. Yeah. Yeah. But well. they're like, what's going on? And then they find out the ugly, ugly, ugly thing that Nutter has killed himself. They went and invaded his privacy. And now Nutter had went and killed himself. This will show you. Wait a minute. So the comedy store, wasn't there a suicide? Got to get my research down. There was someone jumped off a roof or something, a comedian? I don't know that story. Um, 
You might be right about that. No, Bruce Nutter well, has killed himself. Bruce Nutter, Mike McDonald, not not Michael McDonald from Mad TV or Michael right. McDonald the singer. Right, it's not Mike McDonald. Um, okay, so let's see. This was his first film, The Funny Farm, Mike McDonald. But he was in. Um, there was a Jefferson Starship commercial, and he played a comedian that he was in Screwballs Two, which we did on the show. Boots. We did that on the show. You weren't there. I got oh, I got a okay. comic. I got a comic from uh, uh, the this Mutiny Radio Comedy Fest to join me. Super Dave's Vegas Spectacular. Um, oh. I mean, he was out there. Uh, yeah. You wouldn't know a bunch of his stuff. The Ben, Chasing Robert, The Ripping Fields. I, you wouldn't know a bunch of this stuff, but he had a career. And um, he did, uh, he died, He it was 2013. He had liver transplant surgery and his liver failed. It was hepatitis. Wow, liver uh, transplant. Yeah. So, but still. Wow. He's known for, I don't know, this film called The Nutcracker Prince in 90, Chasing Robert in 2007. He had a career. And he also had bipolar. Okay, so here we are at his funeral. Now, what I don't understand is this guy was dirt poor, but he spent a lot of money to do everything perfectly, and he insisted on an open mic at his funeral. And that's what they're doing right now. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I, I do. You want to know, if Mike, at your funeral? I don't think I do. I think this is the movie. Now you saw this movie already, so you know the punchline here. But people watching at home won't know. Well, I should mention what I know is that uh, our sunshine boy was going to perform, and and Brendan Tatterkoff was going to go over to the to the comedy store and watch him. But because of Bruce Nutter's fucking prank, he can't perform. Right, I mean, the, yeah. wasn't the guy supposed to see him tonight? Yes, mm-hmm. and then this death fucking kiboshes career opportunity. Yes, I don't really care. Yes, that is true. That's what my takeaway was: that this asshole, like, and for what? For being a narcissist, for doing dying and having fake parents. I want to thank the rented parents that are they genius. Are fake. You're right. You're right. Yeah, no, but they announced it. Funny, you don't think this was inventive and creative? Uh, I'm killing time until the reveal. Okay. <laughs> Let's, it's coming up you pretty closely. Spoil everything. Look, okay? Lou Ferrigno. Bruce Nutter did not kill himself. It's all a big scam. He's going to open his coffin and pop out and go, don't you ever follow me home again and run away. I think it's funny. You can't wait two seconds to let it happen. I Right now we're having a sad harmonic yeah, music. All the, all the comments like, how come I'm going first for Nutter's funeral? Yeah, that's right. I Do don't you care when you go up at Nutter's funeral? Uh, no. Okay, you're first. Okay, the ghost of Nutter shows now up. Now Gail's freaking out. Ah! Don't you assholes ever follow me home again! <laughs> <laughs> right, and look, Miles is like, you asshole, like you fucking Brandon Tartikoff. Peter Ackroyd's like, I'm gonna kill him. He runs by and he goes, wasn't that Nutter? Oh, yeah, that's the parents. The parents are like, does, does this mean we're not getting paid? Oh, boy. And then comedians desecrative graveyard. Most all of this film was well-written in, um, in how it flows. Right. This next cut is not well done. It doesn't flow at all. All of a sudden, like, they, there's no reason for them to be all here in this <gasps> same room 
Look at that. Howie Mandel is passing a joint. Yeah. He, he, he's letting people smoke it, and then he's going to smoke it again? You mean because of COVID? Because of he, – he's famously – he doesn't shake people's hands. You know that. Oh, well, that could have developed – yeah, he's got a uh, OCD kind of germ phobia thing. Yeah, right. right. Of today. But in this, but in this scene, he's smoking a communal joint. Right. Now it might be because it's a movie, and it might be because his his paranoia hasn't developed yet. I think as comics, they they were just smoking anyway, so it was kind of second nature. Let's see. Oh. Let's talk about Howie Mandel. Sure. Uh, okay, he is Canadian. He's totally Canadian. Uh, we know him from Deal or No Deal, the the suitcases game show. Right. Um, Bobby's world. There's Canadian and England counterparts, and he's on it too. Um, he got big as a he got little as a comedian, but then he got big on this medical drama called Saint Elsewhere, which right. you remember was a primetime show. It was on six years, and he was a doctor on it. Well, you know, fits like a glove. He took a surgical glove and he blew it up and looked like a little chicken rooster. Yeah, put it on his head. Put it on and- his head. It's so like, part of it was that he was a prop comic, and he was also that doctor from St. Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So it kind of clicked on that. Like it was like well, yes, nice... he was the prop comic first. It's true. St. Elsewhere didn't make him. But because of being a prop comic, he got on St. Elsewhere, and so he had six years of exposure to the public. Now, he didn't take that and go on to do a um, huge movie career. Instead, he turned it into like a voiceover career. Well, we should mention that as a bad movie uh, podcast, I mean, a, a good podcast about bad movies, he was in Walk Like a Dog, which if it was on yep. YouTube, we'd be watching it, where he's like a human dog. And yes. then he's the monster under the bed or in the closet. This right. movie's like a cult film. I have people swear by this film, and I really enjoy it, too. He's good in it. So he's he's done some real cultish films. Like, this is a cult film, too, I would imagine. But yeah, he he well, was, uh, he was the voice in Gremlins, the yeah. voice of Gizmo, and in Gremlins too. Um, and he was in Tribulation, which was a um, one of those Cloud Ten pictures. Remember, we saw Cameron. What's his name? Oh, like a born again Christian type. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not born again Christian. A religious, a spiritual based. Cloud faith-based. Ten pictures is faith faith based pictures, and he was in Tribulation in 2000. We know him from America's Got Talent. He was on the fifth season. But he did a lot of voiceover work. He did a lot of, uh, you know, The Aristocrats and Bobby's World was his Bobby's own. World. Yeah. He was in Pinocchio and Hansel and Gretel and Tangerine Bear and Jack. Well, the, I, you ever I don't see know, how, lots of voiceover work. He does. You ever see how we do it? This is how we do it. Hey, we're in a Las Vegas buffet, and unbeknownst to the tourists, we put gold tokens in instead of food. Let's see what happens. This okay, is how now we Gail do it. is paranoid about earthquakes. She hates it, right? And right. we find out that she sold some of their um, stand-up routines, and and it aired in Ohio. So they're pissed. So they're pretending there's an earthquake. It's a pretty good gag. Peter Aykroyd's got them. So now she freaks out and goes, it's a quake. It's a quake. So was he fucking comic? Was that the whole? That's the thing. Like a comic was like, I'll I'll seduce her. And then when I'm fucking her, we'll have the audience pretend it's an earthquake. Right. 
So then she comes out, it's a break. And then somebody tips her off that it's not. She's oh, Maurice asked. did it. He was fucking Maurice. I thought he was a cool guy. That's not cool. Well, Maurice, uh, they are all not cool. They're all in on this. And the only one who feels any pity for Gail is our star, uh, Mark Chaplin. And he's going to get into the car with her and try to, like, calm her down. Now, he, the owner's freaking out because nobody's inside spending money. Right. So he's trying to send them all back inside. What a weird scene. What a weird club. Mark Champlin is his name in the film. I, I get it mixed up because it's Miles Chapin. Mark Champlin. Anyway, he gets in there and he basically he's like, get out, get out, leave me alone, <laughs> and he doesn't. And then she like sort of speaks her mind in her heart about how like, why doesn't anybody like me? I, I love them. They give me joy and happiness. I'm all about these comedians. And so we're getting some feelings here. Do you think that's do you think uh, club owners, comedy club owners really feel this way? I only know one comedy club owner really, really well, and he doesn't feel that way. Everybody kisses this guy's butt. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, it's so funny. Not since Joe Piscopo and Treat Williams have I seen such an acting combo of comedian and Ellen Burstyn. <laughs> She's you ever see Dead Heat? job right now as an actress. She yeah. Really she definitely grounds this movie. Like, she's given a real performance. It's a real person, it feels like. Now, we saw her in My Old Man last year. That's right. Yeah, she pops up in a lot of great stuff. Like, when I see her name, like, I'm watching a movie and she, her name's in there, I'm like, all right, you know, yeah. or a TV show. She's because good. she's good. Now, um, Goldie Hawn movie, what was it? Uh, Private Benjamin. That's how the, the country got to know her. Yeah, um, that was a really big film. Yeah. Yeah, it was a memorable, memorable scene. She was a Mrs. Peacock in Clue. Right. Um, so look, uh, Mrs. Shore. I mean, uh, Mrs. Uh, Missy, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Miss Miss Farm. Mrs. Farm. Just feel better. Hey, can I get a set Tuesday? I'm gonna let you go and just think. But if I could do seven minutes instead of five on tomorrow, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, look, he's got the congratulations telegrams. He's got his headshot. Yeah. Yeah. So this is day one of his pilot he's already gone out there and done some of it and they didn't like it they didn't like it he wasn't good enough and and the woman is like an i told you so moment because she suggested the actor look you want an act you want acting you hire an actor so now they're gonna let him go they have really he's wow on this film. he's getting fired right now well, they i know this film they say hey we got an actor waiting in the parking lot he says he's smoking a marlboro right now but just give me the word i'll give him the eye he'll come right up yeah there we go hey oh look my character i think my character would be great if it had more lines yeah yeah okay hey listen we're off the set you're fired yeah that's yeah. right he goes, we're to... going in a different direction with your character. He goes, fine, no problem. He goes, no, you don't understand. He goes, wait a minute, are you firing me? He goes, I didn't say that. He goes, you are firing me. He goes, well, you said it. Ugh, what a passive-aggressive asshole. The, and uh, he leaves the artist's entrance. So this is Montreal with the artist's entrance? It's is this like pronounced Montreal. UBS television. So it's like C, Canadian. Yeah. They, they moved the C for Canada up and made it a U. 
Yeah, instead show. of CBS, it's you. You BS. Why not? You could oh, be all right. So oh, yeah. hi, could be girlfriend. And he goes, I blew it. So basically, he's gonna have a crybaby. I quit comedy. Yeah, I know. Second, but then he's gonna start driving home. He's gonna go to some honky tonk and do like five minutes. Everyone's gonna love him. And he's going to turn around and come back and she's going to be happy. It doesn't, it's a very poorly written end. Well, okay. So I think this is kind of so far so good. This guy drives at the beginning of the year. He drives from Cleveland. He goes to Los Angeles. He's on it. He's on it. He's part of the scene. He, everyone now knows him. He's doing time. He's a regular. Uh, he takes, you know, he, gets gentrify, he gentrifies uh, uh, an act and then he gets a pilot. Uh, and then they kick him out even first day of shooting. I think it's fucking this guy, the director, like just being bitter. Oh, he's in the mental ward. Yeah, Nutter. Bruce Nutter went crazy and he's now in the mental ward. And it doesn't make sense. He's going to like say to the girlfriend, Mark is going to say to the girlfriend, like, I don't want to end up like Bruce Nutter. How would he look his comic books upside down? He goes, I, I have to admit, be upside down now. That's, that's my favorite line in this movie. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. So, I'm going to use the that thing line. Is, why in the world would he end up like Bruce Nutter? It it doesn't make sense in the real world. It it's poorly written. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm not going to really talk about comedians, but there, you know, this is not kind of something like this could happen. I don't know about this. Is he doing time? Yes, he. Did you stop watching the film because you knew everything up until I'm the trying earthquake? To, I do. No, okay. I, I know. Where, yeah, no, I'm just trying so to what, move, move, move our show along. Okay. So what is happening now is every day at this time, he does like 15 minutes and people come in. He's, he's, and so he's saying, it's great to be here at the funny farm. And the joke is, you know, he's at the crazy, you know. But like the joke is these guys are acting like, you know, outside crazies. You know what I mean? Like we're a crazy comedy. We're the loony bin. How come everyone's in those, uh, yeah, uh, smocks those uh, hospital gowns, but Bruce. Okay, he's got his own. Yeah. So now, now he's essentially gonna. But well, right. it isn't time for him to quit yet. But he's really close. If I may, I have seen this movie. You have already spoiled the movie, but allow me to spoil this movie. He so he fails right, and now he's completely burnt and bitter, and he's not even going to try again. He doesn't want to go to the club. He doesn't want to talk to the comedians doesn't even want to live in the same house as the waitress and then right. the biggest night of comedy is is new year's eve right that's right. like everybody in america decides or canada decides to go out and and drink and not talk to their spouses because they're watching a show or they just want <laughs> they want to go out and drink or they just want to get out of the house or they want to watch stand-up comedy on tv it's the biggest night of tell of yeah. uh, stand-up comedy is new year's eve but he won't go in fact he fucking bails on his girlfriend on new year's eve yeah. and, and moves out which and yeah, he gets and Mitzi Shore, I mean uh Eileen Calls. Brennan, yeah. yeah, offers him a great spot on New Year's and he turns it down. Right, which is such a no no. You no matter how you're feeling, you always say yes. Yeah. Exactly. Unless you really unless you're really gonna fuck it up. You if know? you have COVID if you're drug, or you if, don't know no, your material. If you're drunk, ooh, they have assignment. Look at that. That memory game, beep, red, green, yellow. I used to love that. Oh, and the, and the pay, wow, what a museum. Yeah, because you, you should always take a set. 
Because they're never going to offer again if you say no the first time. That's right. They'll never offer it again. They, yeah. You, that's the memory they have. You said yeah. No. You said no. They got a show to run. They need no. Yeah. I mean, you know it as, a, as running a show. You sometimes you, someone does a show or there's a spot missing. You need someone asap. You don't need bullshit. Right. I don't need forty questions. I don't need you saying I can't do it, but I'll love another set and then follow up. That's not the reason why I'm calling you in this eleventh hour. Right. I need someone. Can you deliver? If you deliver, I'll get you another set. But right. if you don't deliver and then you keep pestering me for a set because the last time <laughs> I asked, it's gone. I, I don't have time because I have 500 people pestering me anyway. Look at back in the day. I'll it's, never understand comedians. Right. Like, Look, there's Mr. Shore. I guess he maybe is a kind of Mr. Shore. If he's you don't think they're married? But, oh, she's, she's fucking people, uh, comics, but you know they could be married. In the beginning, the juggler explained that he was the club owner and she was the manager. So I think what he does is cowardly. I think it's like it goes against everything you learn in comedy, which is that you will never stop. And you can't stop. You know, you have to take any kind of failure, just thick skin, right? You got to let it off your tail. It does. You're now, yeah, you're right. It doesn't make sense what he's doing, and he's not just making a mistake because he's a young comedian. It's also the author. It's the self-hatred. It's, no, but comics, you know, I mean, I relate to what he's doing. He he's self He's self-sabotaging everything to the point where he negates himself and everything he's he achieved the year that he moved out here. You know, it's New Year's Eve. It has the year okay. is about to end, and he bails. Like, he doesn't even last a year. He self-destructs, and it's wrong. And I, I feel like... You know, someone told me something, Carla said, you have to think you're funny. Because if you don't think you're funny, then nobody in the room thinks you're funny. Of course. Of so course. even if you're not funny, you still have to think you're funny because that way you don't side with the audience when they turn on you, right? That's and one of the only things I learned from the Steve Martin uh, masterclass I paid $96 for. Uh -huh. You got to pretend you're killing when you're up there. If you do a joke that doesn't work, move on. Right. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So he doesn't do that because, and then, uh, I mean, that's the thing. So he should, he should show up like comics would love to say, Oh, what happened to that pilot? You were yelling about at the parking lot. How did that turn out? Right. Yeah. He's going to eat a lot of shit, but you do eat a lot of shit because it's a salt fire ship and it's things are raw and rocky and you're vulnerable on stage. And you know, I don't know. I haven't performed Carl fucking in a while. Stand up. Well, yeah. You haven't personally performed. I used to produce COVID. Yeah, COVID is exactly right. You know, New Year's Eve shows. I I produced my own because no one was hot booking me, and I said, "Fuck uh -huh. it, I wanted to perform," and I would get do shows, and you know, they were fun. There were great shows, and I had some really good comics up there, and I was able to pay them, so it was fun, you know, and get an audience for it. I had uh, the chance to do New Year's Eve at Scotty's. I even said yes, and uh -huh. then Sandy, my wife, was like, "Ex." Excuse me. <laughs> We've right. been together every New Year's for 26 years, and you're, you know, cancel that. You know, so I had Fair to enough. call him. Yeah. So he just broke up with her. Well, he came and said, I'm going home. I've left you a note. And I left goes, you a note. What? Yeah, it's essentially a breakup, even though he's not saying breakup. No, but... it's actually his set list he left by mistake. He, took, <laughs> he goes on the honky tonk and performs his breakup. Right. Uh, yeah. He pulls out his set list and he goes, Dear John, wait a Dear minute. Dear Young and the Restless. <laughs> yeah. So she is mad. 
is mad and legitimately so. You're a fair weather comedian. You only come out when it's nice. That's true. That's a, that's a real thing. You know, there's no shame in comedy. You, ha you have to eat shit. You know, it's, it's funny. Mm -hmm. But uh, even if it's on you. Steph so, so goes, you hey, listen, I'm a waitress and I've seen better. I work here as uh, and the staff and uh, I've seen better comics than you. Oh, no, she's he's the greatest girlfriend. She does not insult him or hurt his feelings at all, except to call him a chicken, you know, which is the honest truth of what's going on. So oh. now begins the long trek down Route 80. Symmetry, because we started off with him driving towards Los Angeles. Right. New Year's Eve, he's done. He doesn't even last a year. So he stops off at a honky-tonk. He has a good set. And he says, all right, I'll go back. I, I, it doesn't not strong as an author and this guy was a hell of a writer uh right. this ron clark of well, course I, this I mean, is kind of early in his career yeah i i think this movie has a lot of meat on its bones i mean no, this, it's not he started in the 60s and this is 20 years into his career and he's writing this crap but he's he's letting demons out he's he's letting his, the frustrations of the comedy he scene out a comedian he was a writer uh, he was never a comedian. Now he did write for a lot of. Um, okay, let so me. So this is honky tonk comedian right now. This is just some local bar. Yeah, some honky tonk. Uh, let's see, Jackie Gleason, Danny Kay, Steve Allen. These are all you know, Smothered Brothers, Pat Paulson. These are all comedians. Yeah. So I don't think Ron Clark was ever a comedian. Just, but he was around them. Right. So he knows, but he probably had friends that. Had got one yeah. instant you know he probably seen the instant success and the, the quick burnout quick and maybe crashes. he was a stand-up and the internet just didn't tell me yeah man you were great hey i'm a comedian too do you know is there how can i is there a list can i get up do you know uh, of any other rooms i have a hundred million other questions that only happened to me once i was in jersey city i was at this show just seeing a friend her name's stacy kendro she's from boston she's a feature and um I just went up to the guy and I said, look, I'm a comedian. Uh, seems like everyone's still warm and you're about to end. Uh, can I? <laughs> okay. All right. And so I did. I went up and I did a, the set I had in my wallet, like I was saying. Yeah. Now, they had a grand piano there. So I, I said your joke about tickling the ivories and how sometimes the elephant sneeze. And it got a big laugh. So I said, okay, I'll tickle the ivories. So I sat down and I played Imagine by John Lennon, and I did Imagine There's No Yoko. Oh, it really went well. Oh, that's great. Oh, I'm glad to hear. So it's not only in the movies, Carl. Even, you know, it happened to you. It wasn't Bernie's Bar and Cafe. Right. So he's leaving Bernie's, and the guy's like, you were genuinely funny, and everybody loved you. And that was all it took. That's strong enough. He gets on the phone with One girlfriend set. at 3 in the morning. Yeah. And says, I'm coming home. Hey, I just did a set and I killed. I, I can't go to sleep. I I'm going to go back to Los Angeles and, and pursue my dream. Now, what's going to run off again? It all takes place. It's still New Year's Eve. It doesn't so, was he asleep at 10 30? No, look at the clock. It's like four in the morning. Yes, right. It's, but it's New, New Year's, Year's Day. Day. So, this is all happening, this 180. Now she's happy because she's the perfect girlfriend. She doesn't go, 
how dare you put me through a breakup and then you're you bipolar motherfucker no he he showed up to his work he showed up to her work on new year's eve the busiest night we just said it was the biggest (laughs) night in comedy that's right hey i I left i left you a note i'm going i I can't hack yeah this is kind of a comic thing to do yeah i I can't deal i'm done now he's back. Is he listening to George Carlin again? No. Kelly Carlin? He's just, yeah, we're hearing we're hearing inspirational music and you can do it. Oh yeah, actually yeah, I love the theme song. Go ahead, put it up, put it up. I every on my mind. LA on my way. <laughs> I love this. I know what to do. So bad. And it's also so 83. That's it. He goes back. The movie's over. That's no New scary. Year's Day. There's Peter. Lay Peter Ackroyd. A lot of people passed away. Yeah, a lot of did. Not Howie, though. Is really Howie. funny, his baby boys? Yeah. Oh, it's Bobby's World. Jack oh, Blum. yeah. Did that go on to be Bobby's World? Yeah, he did a... I didn't look up Jack Blum. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it's all right. Look at my... Yeah, he was pretty he good. Put it on those girls who voluntarily hopped up on the stage and were happy about it. Yeah, you know what? I mean, what about the female performers? Do they, would they feel comfortable being in a place that allows that? Like some, some comics... Allows on... girls? To... They oh. were females who got on the stage and said, I'm into they... this. They were audience members who came to see a show. They shouldn't be up there showing their tits. Okay. Hey, we never seen Brian Nussick on stage. That must be cut material. <laughs> yeah, there's Steve Allen, and his Walkman doesn't get a credit. His Walkman did not get a credit, and I was very... I thought that wasn't... That wasn't fair. Jesus Christ, Carl. What do yeah. you think of this movie? While the music still plays, don't get me I wrong. Yes, I have to say that I enjoyed it because it was stand-up comedians. I guess I have to say I enjoyed it, but it irked me that it's just like he rolls into town, he's got a girlfriend in a place to stay, all the comedians are his friends, he gets, uh, you know, becomes a regular comedian with hardly any material, he's going to do a pilot, it's all like a fake, that's not the way life works, but it's a movie, I get it, you have to accelerate. Well, it's a parody, Carl, uh, Carl, I think. This movie is good, uh, and that it it, it I, the problem is, is that it, the whole story about the Los Angeles comedy scene in the seventies and eighties, uh, you know, this was eighty three, so it was still kind of new and had that car fresh car smell. It wasn't stale and repurposed and regurgitated and reused, but it was their version of it. So I caught a little inside history in there, and uh, I don't know. It was like a cautionary tale. This guy, you know, of Hollywood of this guy like they just take young faces and put them in uh stuff that they can't deal with and then they Here's get the crushed recorded material yeah there we go so oh he listened to Carl, uh, 2000 year old man yep, comedy is not pretty right. dating joan of arc was the reason oh just yeah well we should give a shout out to, to P, uh patrick carlin uh george carlin's younger brother who used to be part of the show before us here on the Edge radio. of Insanity. Yeah. Edge of Insanity, Paul Brumbaugh. Yeah, Re- the recently married. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Fans of Paul Brumbaugh and Mrs. Christine 
Definitely our fans, Paul Brumbaugh. Great material, great picking up his kid from jail. Funny comedian, Paul Brumbaugh. Right. Not in this movie, however. So uh, one comedian didn't make the cut, but yeah, we love Paul. All right, then, rated our movie. Wow. Mm. Mm. Well, Carl, uh, yeah, that was it. We are done with that at all. We never have to go back to the funny farm. Uh, We are free of that. Next week, we are going to maybe, I don't know, we we... we have I a don't film. Know, like, uh, I don't announce that film. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's, talk. let's put it this way. <laughs> the purpose of our show is to, some movies are so bad, you just can't watch them on your own. You need yeah. someone in the room. You need somebody yeah. to be part. And we always feel like because you have to listen to our podcast and watch the movie at the same time to fully experience uh, what we're doing, that we're part, that led us. We are, as a group, us, the podcast and you, the listener, we are watching a movie together because some movies you just can't make it to the end because they're so fucking bad. <laughs> and that's the scenario we have with the film that it's in the pipeline and we can't. The thing is, I will, in my research, be watching it alone, maybe four times. Let's talk off air. All right, we'll talk off air because I watched the movie. Until a point where I had, my eyes were removed by my hands and I could no longer watch the movie. So I think I agree with you. Well, ladies and yeah. gentlemen, how about that for excitement here on Let's Watch a Full Life Movie on YouTube every Sunday on MutinyRadio.fm where you can contribute to the station. Please go to yeah. MutinyRadio.fm, hit their Patreon link, or go to Venmo and send them a couple bucks at Mutiny Radio. We'd love to keep this going. Uh, we, as we have been for for years, this is part of the Mission District community. We have live shows on Monday and Friday. Uh, and if you don't want to go in person to see them, you can listen to them on Muni Radio as a podcast or streaming live. Exactly. Go to MuniRadio.fm. More information about our iTunes link. More information about all the shows, including what's really happening that just played before us at noon here on Sunday. Luke. So, Carl, yeah, Luke Sayer, Luke. Uh, Carl just called you Luke. Uh, it's me, Mark. Luke, do you uh, anything uh, you'd like to promote? Anything coming up? I guess no. Just go to carlsucks.com yeah. and uh, you'll see all my upcoming dates, which pretty much means I'll be at Scotty's this weekend. And if there's anything else I do, listen to me. So please Sounds good. enjoy. Yeah, and we have a lot of great more show coming on. So uh, make sure you, uh, now that February is done, uh, join us next week in March as we maybe show a film we can't watch. My birthday's tomorrow, February 28th. You Happy guys birthday. Oh, but you. it's Monday. <laughs> birthday on a Monday. How yeah. ironic. Yeah. You guys at the party. All right. See you at the party, Carl. Uh, happy <laughs> 40. 56. <laughs> 56. All right. Yeah. Hey, you. man. Hey, I'm a couple years behind you. So <laughs> keep, keep, keep blazing the path for me, brother. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Take care. Michael Siegelman. L L L W L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L L
Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. You can watch if you want to. You can slap Spiegelman's behind. L-W-A-F-L-M-N-O-Y-T on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny. It's pronounced mutiny. Mutiny! It's, it's pronounced mutiny. Mutiny! Oh, my turn-offs are guys who say mutiny. Mutiny? Well, let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Oh, Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Oh, Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Wait, you really are having a belt? Uh, uh, just a quick belt before the show. Welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hey, Mike. Just having oh, a just, belt. Oh, you got yourself a chaser. No, uh, Antonic. I uh, love the Antonics. <laughs> we are streaming live first here on mutinyradio.fm here in San Francisco's Mission District in a really beautiful part. And uh, come on by. They do shows here Monday and Fridays. You can be an audience member. It is COVID compliant. And you could perform. And you could check out and you can listen to the podcast. We have a podcast. It's by our acronym, which we mentioned up front, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Uh, so you can either stream us right now, Sundays, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm, or you can subscribe to our podcast, L-W-A-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-
Yeah, an acronym. Yeah. Tajigger. Tajigger? One, one oh, more time. One, one more time for our balcony seats. TJGR17. TJR17. Uh, right. Go ahead. And, that is the channel that is hosting it. Go ahead and subscribe to that channel. They're doing us this great service. Yes. We want you to find this uh, Aladdin 1D 1986. Find it. Click pause when you get to it. Move the timer to 000. We're going to have a celebrity comedian. When they say go, go ahead and hit go. Now, this is a lot of information, but we have a fantastic celebrity comedian. So we want to take the time to, to hear about this comedian. And then at the end, the comedian will say go. And by this point, you were able to find Aladdin 1986 and you were able to sync it up. Carl, take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Bobby Tamburo. Welcome, Bob. Thank you for having me, Carl. <laughs> so you hail from Hershey, Pennsylvania. But the thing is, you're on Compound Media in Manhattan every day. So where do you hang your hat? Oh, that's... I do a little bit of both. So during the week, I stay in the city, uh, usually at a hotel. Actually just found a place, so <laughs> I will have my own place to hang a hat. But on the weekends, I go back at home to Hershey and work at Dick's, as you've heard about in my act. Yeah, absolutely. They do say it is the sweetest place on earth. I'm yet to feel that, but that's what <laughs> they say. Sweet Dick's. Woo! <laughs> I got to tell you. So, so you... If you're taking a hotel room in Manhattan, that is pricey. It is. Luckily, I started right at the peak of the pandemic when nobody was coming into the city. Okay. So I was okay. able to negotiate with the hotel and say, hey, I'm going to do this every week for at least a couple of years. Can we I walk in? Yep. And it was a nice low price and it worked out. And as things started to open up again, they kind of came and said, it's time to move on. We'll give you a couple <laughs> of weeks and that's where we're at. But it was nice while it lasted, to be honest yeah. with you. I kind of lived like the, the luxury life. <laughs> Very nice. Trump, Trump over here. So you are, we met at Scotty's when you were featuring. How long have you been a feature? So I uh, I was very fortunate coming up in comedy. I, I did a contest with a local radio guy in Pennsylvania, and in doing so, I was supposed to get to open for him at a theater. Uh -huh. And he basically said, hey, you're not ready to feature for me at a theater. What I can do is let you work for me for a while. I'll take you to some gigs. You'll get in front of 100 people every night. It doesn't pay, but it'll pay an experience. And yeah. through that, steadily increase my time and be like, hey, you're at 10 minutes now. You're doing well. Let's give you 15 flounder for a little bit and you know for <laughs> you about four out. years for about four years i was about that 20 25 minute and then really last year uh the first time we worked together it wasn't my first time featuring it was like third or fourth but right around that time is when yeah. i got the title um dave landau who i know you've gotten to see and work with a couple of times at scotty's yeah. Scotty's favorite i'd even be willing to say um he knew I was going back home to the local club, the Comedy Zone. He was going there and knew I couldn't, was having a hard time getting in. And was like, why don't you just feature for me? And yeah, that was my see you. opinion. It was really cool and it, it got me in the club. It, it did wonders. So can't say enough nice things about him. And I can't say enough nice things about you, Carl. You're oh, one of my really? favorite people to work with in comedy. There are very few comedians who are in a good mood. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that too. I don't know. I'm a bit of an anomaly. Now, you've got yeah. a cool-ass nickname, right? It's <laughs> the Donkey of Comedy. Now, where does that come from? Where was that born? And, and explain it. 
So my last name is Camburo, as you said, and Burrow in Italian being donkey. <laughs> One day, Garrett, who's a producer at Compound Media, loved by the fans, turns around and just says, you should go by the donkey of comedy. And <laughs> sure enough, Gino Bisconti heard it and just ran with it. Oh, um, Gino, saying, right. You know, Gino is when he gets something in his head and he says it and runs with it. So that the name became immortal. And honestly, it's really cool. Uh, as a guy who worked for a network starting out as an intern, it was a way that fans could like identify me and be like, oh yeah, it's that donkey dude. <laughs> yeah, no, at Compound Media, you're like behind the scenes, but you're on air all the time. I wouldn't, I every episode, right? They 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 refer to you, they ask a question, you supply them info. Absolutely. I, I'm the audio guy, which was cool. Um gives me the opportunity to seem smart because I have Google in front of me. But <laughs> you also, you know, get to throw out an opinion every once in a while and yeah. Everybody at Compound is really cool. Nobody's trying to steal the spotlight. Everybody's trying to give everybody else the opportunity to shine. And it's a very fun place to work. Yeah. Now, you talked a little bit about Gino's episode at Scotty's, but did you were you on air ever talking with Gino about that? I saw the episode in which he spoke about it. Uh, we did not talk on air, the two of us. That would have been um, a great bit. That would have it, been a great story. It would. I, I honestly had a great night because as much as yeah. they all did not like him, they loved us even more. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a great night. <laughs> yeah, by comparison, right? We're, Absolutely. We're superstars. <laughs> that night only. Okay, well, listen, uh, you know, I, I, I really enjoy your comedy because it's kind of low-key, but also sometimes it's, it's, it's edgy, right? But, but you sneak up on them. Because you're talking quiet, you're being a nice guy, and then you run up, <laughs> smack them from the on their butts. I really <laughs> like that. Well, thank you very much. It's yeah, that's, that's definitely something I try to do with you know, writing. You have to have a little bit of edge, otherwise people get tired of it. You yeah. know what I mean? You can only do the cute thing so many times. <laughs> that's and that, right. that is something I, I learned over time. Is if you didn't have some stuff that really caught people off guard, they stopped paying attention. Well, you, they trust you with the beginning. You called it cute. I don't know that you're cute, but I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. But you indeed. Try to put that into the universe. <laughs> and then you smack them on the butt. Okay, so Bobby, every, Bobby Tamburo, the donkey of comedy. Everybody at home is poised to watch this movie with us. Okay, Aladdin 1D. So uh, we want them to press play at the exact same time as we do here in the studio. So why don't you give it to us, Bobby? How about that celebrity comedian countdown? All right, everybody at home, are you ready? Three, two, one, play. We're gonna crack it up, Bud Spencer. Is the Superfantasio. Super Fanta Genio. Right. It must be orange. That is the Italian Genie. title. Genie. Are you? Genie, who are you? Oh, that's it's so stupid. Genie. Genie, who, who are you? Whoa, what are you? What are you? Where are you? Who is Genie? Genie, Genie, do. Look, Genie's talking back. Yeah, that's right. What? I said so? And it's so unfunny, all the things he says in this song. And you'll hear it at the end, too. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait till the end. You know, that song reminds me of uh, uh, the band Dance. There's ABC is one, two, three. 
I, no, I, Justice. The band is called Justice, and the song is called Dance, and it sounds like exactly like it because it sounds like Michael Jackson a little bit. Genie, who me? The genie <laughs> of the lump. Oh, I am the genie of the lump. That's right. You do a great Bud Spencer. We should mention Bud Spencer is the comedy duo for uh, Terrence Hill. Right. And they were like phenomenal in Italy, cranking out movies. Terrence Hill did a solo movie in America called Mr. Billions. We watched it. We yeah. love it. Right. And now we haven't even seen them as a duo, but now we're going to see the other guy, Bud Spencer, in this movie. Right. Aladdin. I think he plays the genie. So right. are we in Italy or are we in Florida? We are in Miami, Florida, uh, where I spent many of my years growing up and, you right. know, being there through college. And uh, this is uh, really takes me back to my time in Miami, you know. So this guy is like, he goes out on the boat, he fishes or 